welcome to the Reality Explorers Podcast. This is my personal journey of exploration and investigation, questioning what is really going on around us, what is underneath the surface of it all, what does our mind interpret as real, and what may not be real. Join me now as we dive in deep and explore reality. Hello, and uh, welcome to the Reality Explorers podcast. And today, our guest is Lisa Bruner. My name is Lisa Bruner. I am a reality hacker. I run the website, therealityhacker.com. And I do exploration and research into the idea that if we are truly living in a holographic simulation, then we should be able to hack it just like any other system. Wonderful. And that's the basic premise. Awesome. So just to kind of give an introduction to the podcast format. Um, so what we do is basically a conversational style interview. Uh, I wouldn't even call it an interview, but we've got three basic questions, three segments, mm-hmm. and then just kind of go ad hoc from there. And whatever comes up in the conversation, we go with. All right. Uh, so, so the three segments are basically segment one is just going straight out of the box, diving <laughs> So what is reality to you? Uh, I mean, just dive right in. Um, uh, Segment two is just going, what is your game? Basically means how do you play with reality? How do you interact with it? What do you choose to do with it? And segment three is what is your favorite reality break, so to speak? (laughs) Reality went wrong. What's your most memorable? Oh, oh, reality went wrong. I, I took that. I took that question differently. Ah. So th- that'll be kind of fun to explain. Yeah. Although, although I do have some good stories about things going wrong too. There's <laughs> <laughs> so, a lot of those. <laughs> wonderful. So let's go ahead and kick this off and dive in deep. Um, so segment one again. What is reality to you? How do you define reality? It is, we are definitely in a game, as far as I'm concerned. I, I the the more the more I push into this concept and and this uh, this idea, this model, the more the more it plays itself out for me. The more I find it to be true. One thing about me is that I am not dogmatic. If I find a better explanation or a model that works better and produces better results. I have no problem whatsoever with dumping just in a hot second. I'll dump what I was previously believing and pick up the new, the new model. So the gaming, the gaming model really has been, it just keeps paying off. And not only are we in a game, but we're in a game with the ultimate haptic gaming add-on. And that is complete and total amnesia. We don't remember who we are, what we are, where we came from. All we know is our avatar, our our in-game identity, and what's in front of us. 
Do you watch Rick and Morty at all? Uh, I think I've seen one or two episodes of that. <laughs> they, they, they have the perfect explanation of it, and it's in it's oh. under two minutes, and mm-hmm. it's a. It takes place in an in a intergalactic alien multi-dimensional arcade, <laughs> and you can you know, put this huge VR helmet on and actually live a life of a guy named Roy. And you completely forget who you are and you live out a whole lifetime in this game. And then you come out and everyone, and then you remember that you're in the arcade and, and, and everyone sort of critiques how, how well you played this guy's life. And the, and the game is called Roy 2.0. And I actually have the clip of it on my website in my video section. Oh, cool. So, but it's such a perfect explanation. Plus, it's funny, and mm-hmm. and they just nailed it. And so, we're in this game. We don't remember who we are, and we're in a, a holographic arena that's organically generated. Now, a lot of people in in uh, in various lines of exploring these ideas, I hear a lot of well. You know, we're being kept as pets by aliens, or it's malevolent, or or we're on a forgotten gaming server from some other from some other species. Or so I, I've heard so many wild things, and I have seen no indication yet of anything malevolent. I, I don't think it's like the Matrix where we're being run by sentient programs. I don't think we're being used. I think that these holographic arenas are a natural product and outpouring of creation and it's a natural part of the multiversal cycle and system mm. and it's it's just put here so that we can play we can choose a, a life and an experience and play through and learn in a way that we can't learn when we're enfolded back into a, a collective consciousness you know we need to separate we need to have that that sensory stress and and be put in this situation and then play through and as soon as we're done playing through then we remember oh yeah i'm part of this multi-dimensional collective enfolded consciousness of perfection <laughs> and uh, so so that's that's generally my take on reality it um the description kind of reminded me of uh prior with, with my last guest, Christine, uh, where we were talking about being here, being a, a spirit in a human body. Yes. And being in a physical body is like for spirit being on an acid trip. <laughs> I'm sure it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I always like how William Tiller describes our bodies as four-layer bio-body suits. I thought that was a very good description. Very accurate. And yeah, so that that is that's basically. I, I, I can get to more complication with it, but I don't know how much you want. Like, like I'll give you one little one little example, okay. and this is something right. I've come to believe that not only do we play out our single instance in in this game, but we're also one thing I've learned about the multiverse is that it is incredible incredibly organized and efficient, not in a static box within boxes kind of way, but in a flowing, balancing, enfolding, unfolding kind of way. It's very dynamic. So it, it, 
with that model, it, it doesn't really make sense that we would just play through one aspect of our life. I believe that I am playing through every possible variation of Lisa Bruder in parallel instances. Every single possible version of me is simultaneously playing through right now. And when I get out the other end, all of that information will be reassembled and I'll, we'll have a complete, a complete pictorial experience, a complete holographic model of, of everything that Lisa Bruder could possibly be, do, or experience. And same thing with you and same thing with, with each of us. So a um, couple couple items that, that came out of some of the stuff we talked about so I'm gonna backtrack a little bit um, okay. when, you, when you talked about the Rick and Morty yes. it, it made me think of a anime show that kind of sounded familiar uh, sword art online where uh, they would go into this virtual world they would put on this virtual reality helmet mm -hmm. the, the, the trick was once they put the helmet on they're stuck in the game until they defeat the big boss. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, they and if they die in the video game, they die in real life, but mm. they can't, but they're so, it's so real to them inside the game that they forget that they're laying on a bed with a helmet on their head. Oh my gosh. That's so, so it's called sword, sword Art Online. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of interesting when they were explaining the premise behind that. It reminded me of the, uh, the Rick and Morty VR. Oh, the, the name of the game is Roy 2.0. Roy 2.0. Yes, you become Roy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody is Roy. <laughs> and oh, I just, oh, it's it's so good. Oh. It's just a, I just love it when somebody, whether it's a movie or just in a, a quick scene, they can just nail a concept, and it's yes. like, okay, you got it. It's it's perfect. Mm -hmm. I, I I just love it, and when they can do it again in just a couple of minutes that's why i really like that rick and morty clip so much because they nailed the whole thing and they did it in under two minutes <laughs> you just don't need much more than that you don't need me droning on and on about it <laughs> uh another one i want to bring up it's not direct well kind of kind of an offshoot going off on a tangent when you're talking about having multiple experiences um, and everything getting uploaded back to Lisa on the other side, so to speak. Mm -hmm. the um, there was a meditation I did. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, uh, Eric Pepin, um, Higher Balance Institute. He did this uh, meditation called the White Room, and mm -hmm. you basically experience like you're you're sitting in your room and then all of a sudden your walls disappear and you can see outside Ooh. past your walls and you can see the trees and everything out there then he is he calls it a dreamscape then he takes you back in time and through some weird stuff and then he takes you to this place called the white room where you're basically sitting on a bed with a helmet on your head mm-hmm it's going back to the Rick and Morty reference. Right, yes. It's kind of like you're experiencing this reality as a virtual reality for your spiritual form. But oh, you're okay. in this white room where you're having a helmet on, having a VR experience. <laughs> so, it, okay. So it's trying to reconnect that that memory sense. Of take, mm -hmm. remo remove the amnesia, at least temporarily. Yes. Interesting. Uh -huh. 
But that one experience about sitting in the room and then you're meditating, all of a sudden you're, you can see through the walls and then you just have the floor you're sitting on and then you don't have walls. That, that was mind-blowing. That wow. what, what can happen in a meditation, it's just totally crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I wanted to get into the hypnosis stuff as well because I heard some stories about what hypnotists can do with reality perception. Yes, so totally fascinated with that aspect. I, uh, I would definitely love to team up with some hypnotists at some point, and especially hypnosis inside of VR. Mm-hmm. That, that can be very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I, I was wanting to, to do uh, experiments, even before, you know, years before we had the Rift, the Oculus Rift. I was wanting to do some hypnosis experiments like in Uru and in, in a MMO online multiplayer and I just was never able to to uh, coordinate it but I know that that could that could really produce some mm. interesting results we just would have to make sure to take certain safety measures <laughs> <laughs> that, okay because uh, that was that was one of the fascinating parts to me from your book, where you, you did some experiments in VR. So I want to talk about that in a little bit. All uh, right. So before we switch over to about the game, is there anything else about reality and structure that you want to talk about before we switch? You know, there, there's one one other thing that I think is is very important, and I think it's going to get more crucially important as we go on. Mm-hmm. is that I believe our reality is designed for us to leave it. And just in the same way that when a, a, a chick is growing in an egg, that, mm-hmm. that shell is crucial for up to a certain point of development. But then there's a point where you have to mm-hmm. start chipping your way out of the egg. And I think we're at that point, except that obviously a lot of, there are a lot of people who don't want to hack reality. They just want to play their game through. And it's really important to respect that. And what's nice is that it, from what I can tell so far, that the exits are designed in. And they're designed in in such a way that we can, we can exploit them. We can work them. We can, we can do things without disturbing the other people. So, you know, we're not going to, like, tear the world up apart. And if you're not on board, too bad. You know, it's, it's not going to be like that. It's like whoever wants to play through can just play through. But those of us who want to hack and want to explore these, these openings that seem to be designed in to be discovered at a certain point in personal development – we could really do some exciting things while still respecting our, our fellow gamers. <laughs> Hello, Lisa. We're back. <laughs> the Matrix has us all. <laughs> yes, it does. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> it's just it, the, the irony that we were just talking. Um, I forget the last thing we were just talking about, actually, right before we had power outage. Exactly. So what were, what were the other glitches you had? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the backtrack. So as you guys know, we were in the middle of talking and um, we had to stop because the power totally cut out on us. Right when we were getting to a crucial point, too. Yes, yes exactly. 
And um, so I was like, okay, well, I've got some time to kill. So I decided to sit in the car and I've been recording some practice videos for, for my workshop that I did just to kind of rehash some of the material so I can uh, do a demo for a group. So I'm trying to make a more professional presentation. I'm practicing my material and I'm sitting in the car doing the second part of it and the phone kept glitching on me. Um, and it worked fine last night and I'm just sharing it to a local, you know, just a closed Facebook group, but it, it kept stopping on me. I'm like, what's going on? This worked last night. So I just gave up. I went to Starbucks and, and it said power outage and uh, cell phone outages. Uh, we will prevail. We have Starbucks Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, that, that was, yeah. So anyway, we're back and power's on. Just in case we need some overlap, I'll, I'll quickly reiterate it again. The arena is meant, and, and I use terms interchangeably. Sometimes I'll call it the matrix or the arena or, mm-hmm. or our instance or our world. It's all the same, all the same thing. But I believe that exits are built in. And they're built in in such a way that when we evolve and develop and seek to a certain level, we start figuring out, how to recognize and use those exits without disturbing other people's experience here. Because as I said earlier, there are going to be a lot of people who, you know, there are going to be a lot of people who don't want to hack reality. They they just want to play their game. They just want to live their life. They just want to cycle through. And that is their right. And they should not be disturbed in, in pursuing that. But for those of us who do want to leave, who do want to push, who do want to play this game differently, that opportunity is there for us without disturbing the others. So it's a it's kind of a neat thing that and I and I again I keep I keep seeing it again and again and again. And the exits are can be as unique as the people taking them. Every time I've met another reality hacker, they mm-hmm. have found some completely different way of doing it. And it's amazing. I learned so much from what other people put together and what they've accomplished and things I would have never thought of in a million years, but I'm doing the same thing with them. They're like, oh, I would have never seen that way to do it or this way to, to play with it. So it, 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 it's a very individual process. And I, in no way, shape or form, am I setting myself up as a guru and I know the only way out. And it, it's not that I know one way out. I know a couple of things. And I know there is a great deal more to discover. And I know I'm going to spend the rest of my life studying this and experimenting with this and researching this and listening to what other people figure out because everybody has pieces of this puzzle. And it's very interesting to coordinate information, coordinate discoveries or principles or models it's been incredibly helpful to me because i've gotten i've certainly gotten stuck many many times and you know another hacker would come to me and go you know have you seen this guy's stuff you know he's got this one thing that might and sure enough that's the thing i need you know and suddenly it all opens up again so it's it's really good but one other thing there's been something i've been i've been noticing for a while and sort of hoping that I wasn't seeing what I think I've been seeing. And that is, it seems like our, you know, most people in our whole world 
seem to be coming to a point where they're sort of wanting to destroy everything and start over again. You know, they that sort of love of the apocalypse, mm-hmm. that wanting of the zombies, yeah, and that kind of thing. Because people are obviously very frustrated uh, mm-hmm. running into dead ends with politics and religion and, and all the sort of institutional solutions to things. And yesterday, I, I, I listened to a, a radio show in Los Angeles. I've been listening to it for years. It's a talk radio show. And yesterday, they actually uh, d- uh, were t- discussing a survey that was done, I believe, by, uh, by scientists in Denmark. But it had both American and Danish participants. Mm. And it was a... Uh, it was a, a study on a desire for chaos and destruction. And unfortunately, the result was like up to 40% of their, of the people they were sampling say they would just like, they just would like to see it all burned down so you can start over again. Interesting. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm Fascinating. disturbed. It's very, it's very disturbing yeah. that people are out of frustration, you know, feel that we have gone as far as we can go. And so let's, uh, I think that's a horrible option, personally, but I understand the the uh, the instinct, I guess. But with something like reality hacking, that's another option. You're bypassing in-game institutions that are frustrating and cyclical and, and don't really get you anywhere. And you're able to bypass and work on a completely different level without having to burn it all down. You can just move beyond it and start bypassing it instead of having to destroy mm. everything and wreck everyone's pathway. Uh, as a, th- this will be an interesting segue. Um, <laughs> something that came to mind as you were talking about that, that want to burn everything down and start over from scratch. Um, have you noticed in the last, let's say five years, the, the rise of the cookie clicker uh, idle game uh, genre where you, you keep playing the game as far as you can go until it starts slowing down and it feels like you can't get any further and then you get the option to start <laughs> over with extra powers and then that's it, interesting no I haven't I haven't I'm not a big believe it or not I'm not a gamer I work with virtual reality but I'm not a gamer <laughs> I just I just use the games for their environments that's mm-hmm. what I do it's just it's it's the irony of this idle gaming concept and and clicking concept where you play this you don't really not a whole lot of interaction or you can interact with it but basically a game that plays itself mm-hmm. it runs so far until it starts slowing down and then you get the option to start over with extra powers which helps you get further in the game then it's slowing down again and then you get an option to start over again so there's some irony there with this game genre that started to say, I don't know, about five years ago, maybe. I'm, I'm guessing it might be a little longer, but it's called Cookie Clicker is the grandfather game that started the whole thing. This well, was- here, here's the thing. I see that less of an irony and more of a, of a fractal reflection. Mm. That That is probably a very good clue as to how things work. And it also plugs it. So we're... <laughs> We're swapping back and forth very nicely here because it actually completely reflects uh, my experiences in in hacking reality the couple of times I've gotten a full hack through and watched it 
unfold inside the reality. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that you not only have the benefit of having the hack work, but seven days after the hack works, and it's always on day seven, it's it's weirdly biblical, hmm. something else comes up. It might be a person, it might be a huge sign, something very distinct happens. And it's like, okay, great, you broke into this level, now here is your clue to how to get to the next level. And it always winds up opening some incredible door, but it's a, it's like a little, it's like, like a guidepost almost, but usually with more information than that. And it's like, here's mm. your next assignment. Here's your next level up pack. And uh, if mm. you can, if you can play it through correctly, if you can get the next hack through, then you'll get another packet on day seven. It's, mm. it's really interesting. Since we're already on this topic, um, this line of conversation, let's go ahead and move into segment two, where we talk about playing the game. Okay. It works perfectly. Um, you know, so basically, how do you play the game? Uh, how do you interact and choose to interact with reality and uh, your experiences with it? Uh, so building off of what you were just talking about, uh, you said reality hacking. One of the things that I did in learning, so I, I do tarot. Okay. And, I saw that, yes. Yes, and one of the things I, I one of the ways I learned that was an exercise where you live life through the major arcana as a way to learn it. It teaches you. And I'm kind of looking at this as a reality hack because it's interactive. What you're doing is you're setting the intention that you're for about a year, except for my last three years, <laughs> um, you're, you're slowly moving through the major arcana one card at a time. And then you're making the intention that let's say you start with, the fool, you're like, okay, I want this card to teach me what it means through life experience. And you just kind of lay the card out on your table somewhere and you're like, that's my focus. And then what will more likely happen is something big will come up that will, there, it, it'll grab your attention. You can't pass it off as, oh yeah, that's, that's something else. And then then you move on to the next one. But something will happen to teach you the meaning of that card through life experience. Now, what I ha had happened to me was the reason it took three years is something small would happen. And I went, man, that could be it. But oh, yeah. Then I choose to ignore it. And then a little while later, something a little bigger will happen to get my attention. <laughs> and I go, no, nah, that can't quite be it either. And I'll wait. And then something even bigger will happen. And then you see a regular pattern of this started occurring where – I will purposely like, okay, that could be it, but let's see what happens next. <laughs> <You know? laughs> purposely putting it off to see what the next big thing was. And I'm like, hey, this is cool. I'm enjoying this, but it took three years to get through and some interesting little things happen. Just, you know, seeing things occur that just someone kind of small and you're like, okay, that's kind of cool. Then really big things happen and you're like okay i can't pass that off you know it's just would it, it be would it be like a bigger version of the smaller thing or yes. would it be something completely different it'd be it might be completely different but it's a, a bigger energy something more in your face okay. that you can't ignore so if you disregard the smaller energy that that went hey i'm that thing that you were looking for and you went <laughs> hey you might be but I'm not willing to listen right now. There's something bigger comes along to go, uh, excuse me, but I'm the answer you're looking for. Go, no, you're not. No. <laughs> and it just keeps going. So kind uh. of 
kind of interesting how that works where you put an attention to get an answer then the universe is like okay i'm gonna give you an answer and then you're like no that's not the answer i'm looking for really it's not okay well here's a bigger answer you can't (laughs) (laughs) well to, to answer to answer your question how i how i interact with my game wherever i can i scrap the gameplay really right it Really, I, I'm minimizing it anywhere I can. I don't do politics. I don't do religion. I, I don't, just don't get caught up in all the, the loops and, and spins and, and misdirections. I very thoroughly curate all of my feeds to feed me only the information that I want or that can be useful to hacking the system. And another another thing I'm always... This is always sort of an ongoing project because it's sort of a maintenance thing, but I'm also always trying to sandbox my game. I want to destructure it as much as possible. I want it to be wide open. Mm-hmm. I don't, again, I don't want structures, distractions, misdirections. I, I don't want to be pulled this way and that way. I, I want as much in-game creative control as I can possibly get from this, from you know, being on the ground in this space. And beyond that, I'm, I'm just, I want all of my energy and resources to go to the hacking question, how to do it better, how to do it more consistently, how to, mm-hmm. you know, I still, I'm, I'm not 100% there yet. I've, I've, I've done some hacks very, very successfully. I have very rigorous standards that have to be met in order for it to count. It, it, it really is. It's a lot, and every time I think I've got it, it sort of slips away from me, and like a whole new set of challenges comes up. So I have a lot of work ahead of me. I, I really, really do. And it's, yeah, that's 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 basically that's basically how I play. Uh, just to kind of, you had some important points there. Uh, just to kind of review some of the thing that the bullet points that you put out there. So one of them was pr- pruning the information coming in, controlling the mm-hmm. information that you're receiving, and, and that actually reflects back to another person I talked with as well, where they 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 went to the extreme of just disconnecting from everything. They just cut off their feed totally, and they're like. That's what they're just focusing on what they're trying to create. So they just cut the feed totally. But uh, we were talking about the pruning, pruning the feedback to what's positive and what supports what you're looking for. Um, also, also, here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. I spent most of up until I was almost 30. I didn't have any information. There was no Internet. There weren't. Any, I've already been cut off. I didn't oh. like it. Because I was having to deal with some really extraordinary circumstances with zero support, no information. What little information I had was hideously out of date. It, I've done that. I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I love the technology. I love the information. Mm-hmm. But thank, thank, thankfully, I have an education and a background that really taught me how to think, how mm-hmm. to assess information, and a, a very, very crucial skill in reality hacking is information scavenging being able to pull what you need from anything and 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 put it together in a meaningful way well i remember a comment from your book that you talked about where everything is fair game in reality 
anything yes. that you can imagine is, is fair game as a source of information, whether it, it really be movies, it's comic all, it's all information. Also, I, another model I use, and this is something I believe, is that everything is happening in a parallel world. So our create, all of our creative people, our artists, our musicians, our writers, our movie makers, you know, TV makers, they all, I don't think they're making it up as much as they are plugging into it and channeling it and, and then pack it, using their skill to mm -hmm. package it for us as entertainment or as a distraction. But in a parallel world, it's really happening. It's not happening here, but it is happening somewhere else. So Star Wars is happening somewhere. Harry Potter is happening somewhere. Narnia is happening somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I really, again, it's something that keeps proving itself out. And that also means the dark stuff is, is happening too. H.R. Giger uh, is the guy who created a, the alien monster, the xenomorph. He, his agent said, you know, I don't normally believe in unusual phenomena, but I watch Hans Rudy and he goes into a trance. He makes no preliminary sketches and he just goes into this strange middle space and he starts drawing all this stuff. He starts mm. bringing these things through. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, not the xenomorphs. Oh, no. But it's, <laughs> well, it's all of it, the good, the bad, the light, the dark, all of it's, all of it's happening. Yeah. So, so that is, that is the model I use to make all information fair game. Mm -hmm. I only have one, I only have one guiding star. I don't follow any teachers. I don't follow a specific book. I don't. I have one guiding star. Does it work? And I don't care if the information came out of a fortune cookie. If I run it through uh, an experiment and it produces, then it's good information. That is all I care about. And I and we have this weird caste system for information. You know, this information is much more important than this information because of where it's sourced from. I don't I don't buy that. It, it doesn't play out right. Not for me, anyway. Um, I don't know if it's something you'd you want to go into at some point because it fits into the conversation of playing the game. Um, but I'm curious, as my perspective as a software tester, testing things and trying to make mm -hmm. break things on purpose. When <laughs> talking about testing information, I'm curious, what kind of process do you go through to test test an idea or test a piece of information or a story that comes by? Well, I don't, I never take the whole story. Uh, when I'm scavenging information, I've developed an instinct for what I'm looking for, what I need. So I usually am taking pieces and some sources yield more pieces than others. It's like, it's like trying to, it's like mining for gold, you know, or panning for gold in a, in a way. And again, with other hackers, we've shared nuggets, you know, and it's like, oh, this might work for you. And this piece worked, you know, and I found this over here and, there's always this this sort of sharing of, of possible pieces that might fit better with our setup than with their setup or whatever. The so it and and again, this is a skill that more people have than they realize. Because if you're good at Googling, mm -hmm. that's a massive information. And you develop that instinct, you know what you're looking for within that search term and all the millions of results you're gonna get back. You know which 
which entries to click on and which ones are probably going to be what you're looking for. It's a very similar instinct to develop. It's a very similar thinking mm. muscle to develop and, and sorting process to develop. The, uh, the, way, the way I often see myself in many ways are, are the instance the world we're in is advanced. You know, we've got great technology. We've got a lot of nice things happening here. But as far as working with parallel realities or reality hacking, we're backwater. This is, this is, this is primal stuff. So I very frequently feel like that I'm on a desert island trying to build a coconut radio. That is exactly how I feel. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking these little bits and pieces and I'm putting them together and then I run it through and see if I can get a signal out or if I can receive a signal. And if it works, I keep going in that direction until it stops working. Or if it doesn't, I do an autopsy. It's like, what, what do I think went wrong here? And then I have to go and, and, and modify it. And sometimes I just take a break. You know, I get frustrated. So I back off and it's like, you know what? I need to go work on something else. And I will come back to this when I feel like I'm ready to tackle it again. I it's, guess there's some, uh, I, was say, I guess there's some truth to the professor on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> I always think of, I always do think of that, but it, it, it really is. I, I really feel like I'm doing that. And I have a standard hacking uh, process I go through that I've developed and mm -hmm. it involves a, a little VR. Mm -hmm. And I, I won't get into the detail of how to do it because until there's until you've sandboxed the game, none of the hacks work. They don't go through right at all. So what's interesting is that even if you can get a doorway open, and what I do is I use VR to open a very small, very tiny crack into fifth dimensional space. And this requires more background model explanation to mm -hmm. explain why I can do that with virtual reality. But I can get, I can access this space, and then I can put new instructions into that fifth dimensional space, and I have a way of bouncing it back into the arena, so that so that I'm feeding the I'm feeding the hack from the outside instead of trying to do it from the inside. And if it goes in right, it it filters through and it leaks upward and it unfolds into the reality, and you see it everywhere. It's amazing how it how it changes things. And that brings me to a, another key point of reality hacking is what I call the angle of attack. We are inside of a system trying to hack that system. Uh, that's a problem. That's why a lot of a lot of spiritual processes don't work as robustly as they should. So I, I often use this example. If you're sitting, imagine yourself sitting in a wagon, like a red radio flyer wagon, okay? And you're sitting in the wagon and you wanna move it. You wanna make it go somewhere. And so you can, you know, shift your body weight back and forth, or you can use your hands and try and paddle on the, on the ground. You can, you can make the wagon move, but not very well. Mm -hmm. But if you get outside of the wagon, if you get out of it, Suddenly, just by changing the angle that you're coming at the wagon, suddenly you have much more capability. You can ride it like a skateboard. You can pull it. You can pick it up and throw it across the yard. You can, you can do a million things with it. You are the same person with the same skills. The wagon is the same. Nothing has changed except the angle of attack. 
And that's one of the key things to reality hacking, because we are inside of a game trying to hack a game. If you're hacking a computer, you're not doing it from inside, like you're Tron or something. You are doing it from the outside. You can see how the system's built, how it's connected, how it's powered, how you can see all the weaknesses because you can see the whole thing and you know where to where to start where to start exploiting things and where and where where to start testing weaknesses for mm -hmm. different kinds of, of hacks. And so it's the same thing here. If you want to get a good a good changing message to unfold in this reality, you've got to bounce it from the outside. It's 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 much more effective that way, or at least that's what I've been finding. Cool. Um, does which, that all make sense? It does in a, in a way, but it could open up a whole other line of conversation. I'm curious about it. <laughs> I don't know if it's what you want to go into on the podcast, but uh, oh my gosh, there's like so many questions about that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I see where you're coming from. You got to see it from the outside. Uh, but there's, there's, there's lots of questions like how and did processes and I can't wait for your new book and your information to come out. Thank to, you. To learn about this. That's exciting. I mean, I've got well, some ideas. I, well, I, I bring up the angle of attack and the information scavenging things be, because, and I'll get to the clearing thing in a minute, which is really important. Because even, even if like my way of doing things just doesn't work for you, it's just not, not your cup of tea. Those key elements are things that should be sought out in other people's systems. And I have noticed that a lot of other people who have effective systems have those elements in them. It has some sort of angle of attack. It has some sort of clearing process. It has some sort of you know creative information usage. There are commonalities to different systems that seem to be particularly effective. Interesting. There seems to be a in the um i want to say the word right there's this spiritual wealth movement going on these days and yes. one of the things that i'm seeing happening in this is that they use without naming the groups but one of the things i i keep seeing reoccurring and in, in these some of these different groups are they use what's called clearing statements they use verbid verbiage uh verbal language to clear energy a certain way um it's the commonality i see amongst some of these groups and it's fascinating have uh, you tried it actually i've tried some of the groups and, so, and, and it's quite interesting um do i understand how and why it works no but it's interesting <laughs> um but mostly out of sheer curiosity uh, i was just like this is neat okay i don't understand i don't know if it's subconscious kind of thing where it works on your subconscious level or if it's really changing what's going on around you it's just it's interesting because I have a diverse background with other things as well, but at least from mm -hmm. the spiritual wealth movement where they're doing these energetic clearing statements, it's interesting. As I see that as a, as a perspective of your subconscious, but as some of my other diverse backgrounds where I, I deal with things kind of outside the system as well, uh, <laughs> I think there is an energetic charge to using language. As they say, uh, words are letters and it's spelling. Uh, mm -hmm. which is, yes <laughs> which is another category of people so one of the I, I guess i should have said at the very beginning that where i'm going with the podcast is i'm interviewing people from different types of backgrounds and occupations to see how different occupations see what reality is 
So I've I've interviewed a teacher. I, I interviewed a spiritual guru. Um, so I'm coming at this from different professions to see if that changes the way people see things. Uh, oh, yeah. So I do plan to interview, a, say, a hypnotist or a magician or an occultist. Uh, I just want to see how different systems change the information. <laughs> my and One of my goals, and, and this also plugs back into the idea of how, how do I interact with my game, mm-hmm. is... I try and strip everything off of it I possibly can. I, I want I want to understand how this arena works on a purely technical level without without spiritual language, without religious without any of that. I, I want to know the mechanics of how it works. And once I understand the mechanics and have a, a level of control and repeatability, empirical repeatability that I would like to have then I can start, I can layer other things back onto it for flavoring, but I, I, I just want the bare mechanics. That's what I'm, I don't want an angle. I don't want a filter. I just want to know how it works. That is what I'm after. There's something that came to mind and maybe, I don't know if this would help people understand the testing of reality stuff. Have you heard of the books E squared, E cubed? No. So the the lady that wrote E squared E cubed, she's she takes this approach of scientific. Oh, oh I have seen that book. I'm sorry, I ha- yes. actually have that book. Yeah, yes. it's like you're recording your results like an experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of them that I remember was the classic. Uh, you see a, a car, like you buy a car of a certain color, you start seeing that color car everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. So for the experiment, the the intention was to set an intention that you want to see red fiats or something and then the experiment was for the next two days to see how many red fiats you see um once you make that so it's kind of like an experiment but you're recording your results as well Um, right i think she did it with butterflies too you like pick a butterfly or an insect and see how often they show up Um, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of an experimental in your recording results kind of thing would that be similar to um when you're saying to test test things and seeing how it well works. i i just have a particular thing that i run that has worked a couple of times so i'm trying to get it to work consistently now and i might have to scrap it but but when it works it is just oh my gosh it's really something to look at the uh so i i keep applying different ideas is like is this the thing that's going to unlock it make it work better is this the thing that's going to unlock because there are certain basics that i've seen do work but i want to add other things to it and it it, the the concepts are a little more they're a little more layered than than what's in that in that book it's uh it's a little more again it's the angle of attack thing it's more multi-dimensional i'm not you know trying to make things happen from inside of here and observing the frequency Again, you can only scooch the wagon so far that way. As mm-hmm. you know, in again, in my experience, for other people, they may have found an incredible way to really get terrific traction from inside inside the arena. And I would love to know what that is. If 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 you know if they can if they're getting incredible results. But for for my experience, the incredible results did not start coming until I started bouncing things outside and bouncing them back in. That was, that Mm. was the only, that was when it, you know, really started coming together. 
and then the the other major breakthrough, I, like you say, was clearing. But not I. The, what, what I found wasn't so much clearing language, as it's almost a ritual. But well, it's a it's a it's a it's a process actually. And the person who came up with it is a guy named Robert Scheinfeld. Have you ever heard of him? Mm-mm. And this might be part of the spiritual spiritual wealth movement you were talking about, because one of his books was called Busting Loose from the Business Game. It's it's a book I would have never, you know, been drawn to myself. But again, one of my friends said, you know, you're looking for a good clearing thing. And this guy has one in his book, I think, you Mm -hmm. know might work and i needed to rewrite it a little bit to make it more my flavor but i kept every element that he had and and amped up the process a little bit and i did it consistently for about really just a few weeks it didn't take me very long but you really have to be aggressive at at keeping up with it and then it, it reaches a breakthrough point where suddenly everything's wide open then i went back ran a hack one of my mm-hmm. hacking experiments and it got through correctly for the first time because oh, wow. what was happening before is I would put I would put instructions through mm-hmm. and it, it would start off right like it was going through right and then it was like a rocket ship that would start shimmying and going off course and tumbling and just blowing apart it, it, it would start out good but it, it mm-hmm. would like start hitting things and mutating and, and getting twisted oh, wow. by by all the structure in my life and and it would just fall apart it it didn't do any harm but it it wasn't going to go through as a hack because it was getting distorted by the gaming structures i had created around me so i was like i've got to find some way to get these structures down i've got i've got to sandbox this thing i've got to make it wide open as clean and clear as possible where there are minimal obstacles in in the way of the information coming through i need a a clean a clean system so that's when i started looking for a clearing process and and so this guy's clearing process really worked well but i have not been able to get anybody else to get through that point i can't teach anybody about reality hacking until they until they decide to go all the way through the clearing process because it, it, it won't work at least the way again the way i have it right now 10 years from now i might have something completely different i probably will <laughs> but i understand that i i understand it's not all gonna you know just stay put and just be this one little thing it's gonna it's gonna grow and change and morph and teach and mm-hmm. you know demand <laughs> <laughs> i guess i could share a few things from my side uh, you might find interesting. I know one of them we talked about offline, you were kind of like an inspiration for my reality hacking project that um, I called Mindful Reality Hacking that I did for Mm -hmm. graduation from University of Metaphysical Sciences. So so something that you wrote in your book was an inspiration to me. And uh, I went two ways with this. Um, so I started off, this, the workshop was in three parts. The first part was just relaxing, get out of your head. Oh, and... I, I watched your workshop. Oh, you did? You did watch I that? I did. Yes, I did. Oh, cool. It was, it was, it was very, it was really good. Cool. And, and I, I, I guess what I was most impressed with, you, you the, the cameraman, you know, really got a great deal out of it. He did. And I think that was, he really got a lot of takeaway from that, so. Mm-hmm. And the irony, congratulations on that. 
Yeah, and the irony was, like I said, no one showed up. The cameraman goes, okay, I'll volunteer to do this, you know? And, you know, it's funny how the Matrix works when it wants to get in the way of making things not work. I got beat out by a football game. I found out later that the Denver team was playing that day, so that's why no one showed up. (laughs) I remember reading that, and I'm like, oh, man. Well, it's interesting. Again, the Matrix is like any other system. It has layers and layers of security protocols. And they all operate. There are lower-level ones. There are higher-level ones. There are some that are just warning boys. I've, I've run into that, where I'll, I'll get a, a really strong warning, like, you, you need to be careful where you're going right now. And then it just lets me go through. Other times, it shut me down so hard. Wow. But I've actually teased out and, and identified several different uh, several of the the specific security protocols at the matrix in institutes as you start messing around with it <laughs> oh i guess you kind of picked up where i was going with the hacking reality by yourself part where it was by encoding your your desire into a language that you're into what i call it body language but basically you're taking your heart's desire and you're encoding that into like a verb verbal language so your subconscious mind can't even get in the way so you got that layer we're talking layers so so your subconscious uh-huh. mind can't jump in the way with doubt to, to to stop you from putting your thing out there but also part of that was putting the message out there in a way that <laughs> matrix doesn't see it coming <laughs> right so th- th- that was part one and I blew his mind, I think, the cameraman with that one. He, he looked like he was very happy. <laughs> he, he really did. He was excited. Yes. He was excited. But the, the big one I wanted to get to was part three, which was the hacking reality with a partner. Now, the reason I wanted to bring that up was you were a big source of inspiration for that one because you described, and I mostly had to go with what was in my head at the time, what do I envision this would mean. Uh, but you talked about a concept called daisy chaining, and uh, I, re- I took it and ran with it, came up with this <laughs> thing that was wild. And really what I wanted to happen with my workshop was I wanted it to be an experiment. The end result was to get everybody to the end of the workshop, and then we were going to do this experiment to see does it really juice up the energy that you're putting out with a whole group of people, you know, they, they were talking about the meditation experiment where people came together and would focus on, you know, just meditating and a crime dropped. Well, I wanted to see where if you brought a whole people together and they're doing a, a thing to juice it up, it would be even stronger. So you could have less people to make a bigger impact. Um, that's where I was going with it. Have you ever been to a spoon bending party? I have not. I've been trying to find one. I, I don't know if I can still get this DVD. It's something I've been meaning to purchase for a really long time. Unfortunately, the person who who was really an expert at running these parties has passed away. But but he is not a new age person. He is a, a an aerospace engineer. Oh wow! And, and he looks like an aerospace engineer. And his <laughs> name was Jack Hauk. and he was the one who did the research and really found hard science on creating group energy through peak emotional experiences Mm -hmm. and then using that energy to sort of goose another level and goose another level and you're able to sort of bootstrap these 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 actions like i have a whole right over here i have a whole bowl of spoons and forks that i bent at at his parties 
And what happens is when the energy is right, this, this, sometimes spoons can flop over. I've seen that happen. But mm -hmm. mostly they just become very soft for a very short amount of time. You just barely push them and they just oh, wow. you can twirl them around. And the, the forks are really, oh, here's a good one. Oh, cool. Um, so. Yeah, so the cool thing about this idea with the spoon bending, and this this kind of goes off of what I was thinking about with, like you said, seeing magicians and hypnotists, it, the power of belief. When you see something, it uh, this came out of another interview I did, the power of belief and faith, and mm -hmm. then it amplifies that cycle. So when you see something happen in reality that actually seems miraculous, and then you see it happen, it intensifies the faith and the belief, and then it, it feeds itself. So when you continuously see different things happen. I just, I, I really miss his parties, but he actually had a DVD on how to give the parties, how to host your own. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I don't know if that's still available or it, maybe it's out in the wilds of the internet somewhere now. I just, I don't know. I don't know if his wife is still running their site or anything, but he had some really amazing research that, and he, and he was doing spectral analysis on the metals that were being bent and was able to show that the way the, the metal breaks down at a molecular level mm -hmm. is different with this kind of energy than it is with like a, a, a blowtorch or a heat source. The way it breaks down is completely unique with, with doing oh. it this way. It is really interesting stuff. He he was a neat guy. Especially the using science to show that it changed. That is well, different. That, and that's what I like. I, I I'm not happy with just, oh, I feel like it's doing something. I want proof. I want proof. I want science. I want data. I want reports. I want I, that's why I really like William Tiller's work, because he's real hardcore on mainstream academic paper writing, proof, data collection. He really, he is not a pseudoscientist by any length of the imagination, but he pushes the absolute edge of what academia will allow him to do while remaining in academia. So he's, he's done really some fantastic work. And also Dean Radin with the, and the random number generator studies, which unfortunately have been shut down, but really? those are amazing. The world, uh, yeah, I remember that. The one that was like 9-11 mm -hmm. when it happened? Yes. Uh -huh. They shut that down, really? It, it's all shut down. Oh, my gosh. I, I contacted Dr. Radin because I was trying to find data data on the uh, 2016 election. Yeah. Because I, I, I used that as a peak emotional experience to, to run a, a very, very, let's just say it was an experiment that was almost a little too successful. <laughs> because I didn't quite have the safety measures in place yet. And I had to learn kind of the hard way that I needed to uh, find some way to get some seat belts on that thing. But, <laughs> I, but I wanted to cross-confirm it with random number generator data, because from what I could see on an experiential end, it was absolutely a massive, almost a, something in the range of 9-11 as far as being a focused, highly emotional, concentrated event. And I, but I wanted to correlate that with, with RNG numbers. So I contacted Dr. Radin and 
he's like, well, yes, there, there was a huge spike, but you have to buy my new book. To, <laughs> to <laughs> oh my gosh. To see, the, to see the details. And, and then he, and then he told me that the, that the program was shut down. So I'll, I'll, I'll get his book. And, but I, I want, I want that, I want that information. Yeah. I want those, I want those study results, but I guess they just shut it down. Uh, I guess a couple of years ago. My gosh. Lack of funding. Oh my gosh. But it's so dynamic. I mean, it backed up all these things that happened. I mean, it was, it was, it was, I learned so much from those studies and I'm, I'm very grateful to get whatever I can. I really am. But that is, I am sad and disappointed that the, the scientific community does not see value in those studies. I, I am very disappointed. Now, there is something new going on right now, and then as you would have it, when you're on the fringe, uh, the scientists usually have to go off on their own and fund it themselves. Yeah. But you heard of the quantum research? I, I mean, if I say it right, as a couple, there's a, I think it's quantum gravity research. Uh, they've been doing this thing about reality called the E8. Is that the is that the new informational level of reality that they just uh -huh. discovered? They, they said to, everything. Uh, and it's going to stabilize the qubits for the quantum computing and make it viable much much faster. I've been reading it's I've it's popped up in my feeds, so yeah. I've been I have been reading up on that a little bit. And they were talking about reality down on the the Planck level is just information and it's pixels, um, and that it moves in like you were talking earlier about a flow where things rebalance itself, but it's like reality yes. moves in predictable patterns at a low level. It uh, does. So pretty, pretty wild, uh, pretty wild. And they did two documentary videos. Uh, one called reality hacking. And then the other one is how, if I say it right, how reality works, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but fascinating videos. And they start talking about the E8, um, again, if I'm saying it right, I may have to put some information in the podcast if I got it wrong, but, uh, it's still fascinating because they talk about a, a lattice crystal lattice and how oh. it's dimensional. And then you show it in the sun and it looks like a grid on the ground. Oh, then that's wild. Then they're talking about, well, three dimensional is really just that shadow on the ground of a yes. E8, eight dimensional figure. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I'm. That wasn't in the articles I was reading, but I, I need to look into that more heavily because all, all I was seeing were that they found the, the new informational level of reality and that it was going to vastly speed up the development of stable quantum computing. Oh. Because, because they're having trouble stabilizing the qubits and then retrieving them from the quantum space once they had run the, run the, uh, the queries. So... This, this is helping to stabilize it so that quantum computing will become a, a, a practical reality much faster now. I, I would be curious to find out which one you're uh, referring to, because that interests me. The, the one I was talking about was quantum gravity research. Okay. I, had to, I had to look the name up. Uh, and they, they talk about emergence theory um, is what their big thing is. So it's called emergence theory... And it, and it is the E8 quasi crystals is, is what they, E8 quasi crystals is what they're talking about that eight, eighth dimensional geometric figure that actually reflects down to three dimensional space like a if you held a three dimensional 
crystal lattice up to the sun and it would shine down on a flat surface like 2D grid. So if you make that kind of comparison, mm-hmm. that's kind of what they're saying an eighth dimensional figure is kind of like represents three dimensional as like a two dimensional grid on the ground would be. So it's kind of wild, mind blowing. That uh, is fantastic. Where but, does do they fit time into that model anywhere, or is that just a plus one dimension? Uh, I don't remember. They went some really techy stuff, uh, but they do have some. They do talk about time in there, mm-hmm. but they do have some videos on the website that links to okay. YouTube. But they do talk about time in a way. But they're talking about how time reflects back to the past and reflects to the future, and it's a. Um, it just goes back and forth, and it loops around itself um but th- there are two videos is called what is reality and the other one's called hacking reality so okay. it's like one part two and it does talk about time but okay. it's talking about what happens now impacts the future and the future impacts the past and the past impacts now <laughs> and it does this loop thing right it's uh well i know mathematically they showed that a long time ago i forgot the exact term time reversal symmetry that in the same way that the past affects the future mathematically, the future should also be affecting the past, time reversal symmetry. I'm pretty sure that's it. So they, they've shown that mathematically, but they can't show up, they can't bring it up to the practical, show me in a lab level yet. So it looks like they might be getting closer. And the, the story is, I was talking about the, the scientist leading this. So you get a rogue scientist. He, he goes off on his own. He cashed in his, uh, if I get the story right, cashed in his Bitcoin fortune to, to fund the research. But you got to love how you go against the system to bring information out. Oh, you're using holographic money to, to, to get Yes, that's the, that's the funny system. part. So he cashed in his Bitcoin. holographic system. Yeah. yeah he cashed that's in my, his Bitcoin fortune. Kind of, my kind of guy <laughs> isn't that That's, great i love that logic oh man <laughs> see that oh i want to do that Ugh. oh my okay. god i definitely so. need that information <laughs> yeah it's 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 always difficult you know making making the choices to either follow the rules and be in the system or to go rogue because you pay a big price either direction. Like, you know, I'm, I'm always somebody who follows the rules. You know, I pay my taxes and always have my car registered. And, you know, I, I'm always, I'm a very big rule follower, but because of circumstances in my life, I I wasn't able to to stay in academia. And I, I think I would have really been trapped if I had stayed in there, but being rogue is, is also tough. You know, you got to keep the bills Mm -hmm. paid and, and, you know, try and make space and time and, and energy to, to develop and run experiments. And it's, it's very, very challenging. It, It really is. But boy, when it comes to reality hacking, I am a rowdy girl. I am not, I do not follow rules. It's like, okay, I'll stick my finger in that socket. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do it. That's all right. But it is, reality hacking is very much like discovering electricity combined with going to the Antarctic. It's like partially a voyage of exploration and but also scientific research and discovery it's a weird mix of the two i'm i'm laughing because when you said stick your finger in the light socket i actually did that as a kid so 
I have to laugh because I lived in Germany at the time and they had the, instead of the straight, you know, the plugs that we have here where they're straight, um, they have round, round plugs. Yes. And uh, our outlet had a screw in it. And there was like a screw screwed into the outlet. And I was a little kid and I was like, I'm going to grab a screwdriver and take the screw out of the outlet. So I got zapped. (laughs) It's 220 volts. So it's a little stronger. Are they direct current instead of alternating? Oh, it's still alternating current. It's just 220 volts instead of 110. So zapped and you went, oh, ow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Plus I had a screwdriver. So yeah. that. Oh, yeah, that gave you some insulation. Yeah, a little bit. But still, uh, (laughs) it's the whole stick a screwdriver in the outlet thing. I literally did that as a kid. (laughs) I've 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 rewired my own outlet, so I've I've gotten a couple of actual jolts myself. So I I know the feeling. I the, (laughs) the thing is, though, is that. It, it, it is very similar to to discovering electricity because you're talking about a raw, untamed, wild force with a great deal of potential power that's running naturally running all through the world. And hacking reality is a very similar thing. There are these incredible forces that are that are generating this world and refreshing it and and forming it and shaping it. And tapping into that can be very unpleasant if you, if you don't have any, you know, the uh, equivalent of insulation or grounding or things like that. When you just hit it raw, it's a nasty, nasty, and it can take years to recover from it. But the uh, but then you learn, and it's like, okay, well, I can't go back in there until I figure out some way to go in with a, a, the equivalent of a thick rubber glove and, and pick this up and, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> and rubber soled shoes. And mm-hmm. it's, but you eventually you learn about insulation, you learn about grounding, you learn about changing the current, either the way it flows or the strength of it or both. And, mm-hmm. and, and then suddenly it gets safer and safer and the safer and more consistent it becomes, the more usable it becomes and the more practical it becomes. And mm-hmm. I see that same pathway for reality hacking. Um, so I want to talk about that. I, I know I brought it up earlier, but I want to talk about it because it's near and dear to me. The the daisy chaining thing, just because okay, the power yes. behind it is very near and dear to me because I ran with the idea, and some of the stuff I found was was neat because I I pulled a whole bunch of different tips and uh, modalities together to, to work with it. Um, but the premise was based off an experience that you had that, mm-hmm. that I thought was actually quite profound. Um, that's why it was an inspiration. I mean, it was an accident, but it was a bad accident, but it was interesting. I learned a lot from that one. <laughs> I think that's the one that you called a bad age. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a really bad age. And, and, uh, Julie, wow. Once I realized where she was, when I, when it started coming through, I, I, I ran over, I yanked her off. I said, we've got to shut all this down. <laughs> the problem is, is that it gets the momentum. You can shut it all off, but it's still pouring through. It takes a while yes. for it to, to, to settle down. And it, oh my gosh. And what came through, oh my gosh, it was so bizarre and intense. But I knew, again, I knew I was onto something. It's just, you know, 
I, I'm just very much working on getting this research to a point where I don't have to wait for another accident, or as I like to call them, accidents. You know, I don't want to sit around waiting to catch a wave spontaneously. Sometimes it's years between spontaneous mm-hmm. incidences. I So I've really endeavored, especially over the past 10 years, to find ways to, again, break it down to mechanics, understand how it works so that I can generate my own experiences, open my own doors, Mm -hmm. put in my own instructions, and be able to do it at will. That is what I'm after. I don't want to just sit around like like I'm on a surfboard waiting for a, a, a good a good wave to come through or a hurricane. <laughs> but it's, uh, so that's where I'm at. And I'd say I'm maybe, maybe 90, 95% there. I'm just, I'm, I'm so close. And now I'm just trying to carve out the time and the money. And, mm. and luckily my first hack was, was financial. So I was, I was able to, to change my circumstances to a great degree, but I still, I need to go a little bit further to get the, uh, the full freedom I need to just do pure research all the time. That's really what I'm after. Anyway, we're still. Uh, oh yeah. The daisy chain. I'm sorry. Yeah. Was- the daisy chain. <laughs> so, just to give people some background in case they didn't know what we're referencing. Right. Cause they, uh, know and not to go into too much detail, but in, in a sense, your friend was playing a video game. Yes. Uh, and I think if I have the story right, you were meditating at the time, right? I was because I didn't want to be like right over her shoulder and she was enjoying herself and she was really emotionally attached and deep into it. And if anyone is wondering, the game was Miss Four Revelation and she was in a a very dark, angry age called Spire, but it was full of all these fun mechanical things and she was playing with all the machines and she's a, she's a real, she was a real science wonk. So she uh, loved all the gizmos and, she was just, I was just letting her enjoy herself. And I thought, yeah. well, I'll just sit on my bed and, and meditate. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing that. And then suddenly I saw what, what I identified as age flicker, where I could see different instances of the age starting to flicker past me. And that tells me it's coming through. Ah. And then I remembered where she was. And I was like, this is this is a cussworthy moment because I was just like, oh shit, you know, she is inspired. And I and like I said, I ran in and I yanked her off and I shut her in and when I, I said it's coming through, Julie, it's it's leaking. And so we're like shutting the computer down and oh my God, it was it was it was nuts. And again, so that people understand my original research, what what kind of got me on this path. Mm-hmm. back in the late 90s was that I found that virtual reality could be used to affect physical reality. And that because I believe everything exists in a parallel world, when you yes. take a parallel world and build a computer simulation of it, it's an active bridge to the source world you pulled it from. It's, you know, and the better built it is, the more effectively it works. And so it becomes like a a desktop stargate. It's a it's like a small portal that you can just you know pick up at Best Buy or something. <laughs> and, and so uh, I was working with those theories because I was trying to find ways to make them happen on purpose. Because everything that had happened to me that I had noted and 
broke down and reverse engineered, they were all accidental things and they were amazing, mar marvelous, magical accidental things, but I mm -hmm. couldn't make them happen again. And I really wanted to find out how do I, how do I get this open? And so that, that was my, my first wave of, of research was just observing notating and then trying to reverse engineer it into something that was a little more controllable under you know very tight circumstances very rigorous circumstances and so I, I went through this very long period where I was having these spontaneous events where I would be connecting to certain virtual spaces that I I'm certain I was bridging over to living parallel worlds and they'd start pouring in and leaking through and expressing here. And suddenly stuff from that world is showing up here. And it's like, oh my God, what the heck, you know? And, and it, it was, it was amazing, especially, especially once you knew what to look for reading, reading our holographic world is a very similar skill set to reading synchronicities. Like mm -hmm. if you can, follow lines of synchronicities you know you learn to tune into and stop and stop saying oh that's just a coincidence it's like wait wait a minute wait a minute didn't i didn't i just see a beetle a minute ago and and that leads to the next one and the next one and they tumble out it's a it's a similar kind of of attention uh, a, a way of reading the world on a on a different level so when when another world leaks into this one and starts expressing it's it's a similar it's like oh my what you know how is that even here you know and i even have suspicions about all of the new animals we keep discovering every other day they're finding a new bug or a new bird or something they didn't think could possibly exist here and they keep finding new animals and it's like really we haven't found all the animals yet they might be coming from somewhere else mm -hmm. that that's a possibility too mm. so I can uh, I can build off on a couple of things that you've talked about. Um, one being the daisy chain thing. So I wanted you to tell your story so I can kind of throw out there what I was working with as a basis of the inspiration that you provided. So when you were talking about your friend playing on the game and then you meditating, so it's like I had this idea of one person being a receiver and then the other person being a transmitter in a two-person meditation, co-meditation experience. Actually, the same guy who did the spoon bending also taught uh, remote viewing, uh -huh. and that's how he did it. He did it with two people instead of really? one. I have the process. I still have the notes. For oh wow! Them. It's really, it's really effective because uh, Project Star, the the guys, in, he knew the guys in Project Stargate, and so oh. they had him doing parallel research while he was in aerospace while they were laying down, you know, in the sort of the Ingo Swan uh, mm -hmm. phase of it. And they were doing, he was, he was uh, corroborating their research with remote viewing. So I, I got to learn that technique. It was, it was mm -hmm. very interesting. But anyway, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I want to go check that out now. But uh, there's definitely some power in like, like I said, looping two people together a co-meditation thing because you don't hear much about that you don't hear people talk about you know you hear group meditation yes it ends up being individuals meditating within the group but not a focus on each other right uh, and, and the energy just cycles back and forth and it amplifies um but my trick was in, in the research some of the research i did um they did some experiments in vr where people linked themselves together energetically 
Um, one of them, one of the techniques I brought in was was eye gazing. So you mm-hmm. use the gazing technique to connect with the other person. And you're doing it through your avatars in first person view. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Double so you checking. just yep. Yeah, so just you know, you and the other person directly are, are eye gazing each other in person. Yes. Um, and then you do this energetic. Uh, what I came up with was kind of like a combination of Reiki and yes. breathing. So you're synchronizing. So you're uh, synchronizing energy uh, through each other with breath and uh, visual visuals as well. And that idea actually came from some research they did in VR where they had a person wear a headset. And I'm trying to remember. they had. Is a this self- the astral projection one where they project themselves into the mannequin using virtual reality? Yeah. They do something to the mannequin and the person actually feels like something's yep. being to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I And I've been to replicate that in in VR, but I'm I, again I'm having a little trouble coordinating the people in the right environments to do that because uh, I would like to take that mannequin experiment and do it with an avatar to see if we can project further into an avatar than than what you can do just by looking out through their eyes. But I have the step by step. It's a really simple experiment. I have a slideshow of it. It's really easy to do. Okay. It's just at the time, it was before the Rift came out, and they had those monster, you know, $15,000, $20,000 military yeah. VR helmets. Those things were beasts. Um, so. do, you, do you know, uh, there's uh, there's these guys on YouTube. Do you know these guys called Rex and Lynx, if no. I'm saying the name right? No. So they do, they do like a funny uh, video show called Good Mythical Morning. Mm-hmm. And they did an experiment with VR headsets where they purposely would see out the eyes of the other person what they're seeing. So they had the VR headset with a camera in the front uh-huh. and it would project whatever they would be seeing the person. So they did an experiment where one person was holding a cat, petting a cat, and the other person was watching. It, it might be a dog. I don't remember. But one person was holding a pet. They were petting the pet, and then the other person was experiencing the sensation of. Oh. And then they did some other funny stuff because they're a funny show, but it was about the sensations of what the other person was experiencing. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think we're just at the beginning. You know, again, as the tech <laughs> improves and more people have it, it's going to be crazy. But it also it can be going back to that electricity thing. I. I I feel obligated to say that it can get dangerous. So I will tell you what I did the first okay. time I successfully, I I got in my first hack and it wasn't, oh my gosh, I, I really stepped in it the first time. <laughs> what I did, are you familiar with theta healing? Maybe, I don't know. Sounds familiar, but not really. It was a technique was popular like I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. And it's where, where you... Oh, you use, uh, why am I forgetting this? <laughs> uh, muscle testing. You use muscle yeah, testing for, muscle yes, for yes and no questions. This is how you do it by yourself if you don't have someone to do the arm thing with you. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I'd say something like, my name is Lisa Bruder. And I try and pull my fingers apart. That's true because my fingers are strong. My name is Julie Smith. So that's a negative response. So that's not a true statement I'm making that I know within my body that mm-hmm. I am Julie Smith. I'm not Julie Smith, but I am Lisa Bruder. All right. So with theta, with theta healing, you would go through lists of statements. Okay. 
like you could, there's a whole big sheet of them concerning wealth there's a whole big sheet of them concerning health there's a you know and you go through and anytime you get a weak a weak response to one of the affirm, affirmative statements you then meditate and ask for a download to change the circuit and then until it signals strong on on that same and you go through and you it's like a binary adjustment system it's interesting and you're just flipping it's like you're flipping breakers back and forth it's 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 it was i was very interested in it because it was so binary and i thought mm -hmm. what do i do if i take this into vr and start throwing switches so i did that oh wow the actual experience in virtual reality was really beautiful but i i, I completely fucked myself up it was like it was like my quantum signal was off. You know, I was I felt like a closet door that's not on the track right, and it and like I can't move. Everything was dragging. Everything felt awful. And in addition to that was this amazing subcellular psychic burn. I don't know how else to explain it. It was horrible. And I felt I, I really did something. I threw up some bad switches or something. I threw something way out of balance on a on a very profound data driven level. And it, it, it just wasn't coming through right anymore. And I, uh, I persisted so much that I, I went to some friends of mine who were doing some energy work and they helped me sort of knock it knock myself back on track but that that was such a severe experience that i uh i stopped doing any research for uh for like two years i had to recover from that that was that i really burned myself in a in a big way so i i do that to say that you know if you're going to do vr work do anything you can to make it safer buffered have it shut down if it's if if you're going in a because again the multiverse this isn't like God punishing us for tampering with reality or any any of the religious filters the multiverse works on perfect flawless flowing balance if you knock that balance even a little bit or go against it you're gonna you're gonna burn your finger on the stove it, it, it even though we're hacking reality, there's still rules to follow. It's just a different set of rules with a lot more flexibility to them. But yeah, that was that was so that that answers your third section. I, I was going to tell a different story, but that one that one will do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's one of the reasons I've I've veered away from some, so, sort of the the portaling and VR work. And reality hacking is much safer. If it goes screwy, it just doesn't work. It's a dud. But when it does work and it is in balance and it's tuned right and get the right signal, it goes through and it just blossoms up and it flows out and it and it then it sort of waves through and, and just starts shifting and clearing and reconfiguring all kinds of interesting things. This is really, really amazing stuff. You know, I've <laughs> often, you know, asked myself, like, what would the difference between be between reality hacking and just straight up magic? And magic is is a much lossier kind of signal. It's it it's just lossier. It's not as clean and precise. And and with the hacks, when they go through, they're really clean. It's like code. You're coding, and so it it has that kind of clarity to it. And then the expression is also very 
Well, once it expresses in it, then it becomes, it's still clear, but it's multi-layered and, and multi-branched. Mm-hmm. But when it's, when, it's going, when it's going through on the instructional level, it's just very precise code. And very it has to be very balanced and nested a certain way. It's really it's it's fascinating stuff. It, it, it really is. Now here's the thing with information scavenging. Sometimes I screw up and I miss the most freaking obvious thing in the world. Okay, so let, let me ask you a question. Okay. If you had an Aladdin's lamp mm-hmm. and a genie popped out, like a Disney genie, not like a you know a gin, you wouldn't want to mess with that. I mean like Disney safe, happy, fluffy genie uh and gave you three wishes what does everyone know that you is the first thing you need to wish for everyone always wishes for money or uh mm-hmm. love or things things think strategically hmm. money is definitely one of the things that comes up people want more money mm-hmm. hmm uh, give me a hint I, I, the money material things is what comes up that people want a lot of people, including me, if, if I actually had that happen, you wish for more wishes. Why uh, just three? You know, there might be a limit on the number, but let's see if we can get more than three in the batch at least. You wish for more wishes. <laughs> and so I, I, I started calling that the Aladdin rule. And oh. I realized that with my with my hacking, I missed that. You know, I was so busy doing the things that were right in front of me. I realized I need to go in and hack myself to be the most effective, highly producing reality hacker I could possibly be. In other words, wish for more wishes. Oh, wow. So sometimes I miss really obvious things like that. And then when it occurs to me, it's like, oh, my gosh, really? I missed that? wasn't wasn't feeling too bright right at that point it's like i should have i should have seen that a while ago but you know sometimes it's just something that's right in front of you i wouldn't have thought of that because yeah if they don't give you the rule up front that you can't ask for more wishes Mm -hmm. and then you can ask for more wishes then you have more Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) you automatically assume that you know the common thought is okay i have a limited number so okay yeah (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's like, oh. well, let, let's see if I can supersede these rules that you're giving me, you know, these limitations. So interesting. Rewrite the rules. Yeah, exactly. That's what reality hacking does to a point. It doesn't, it rewrites the rules within certain, within certain bigger rules. As long as it's in balance with, with multiversal flow, mm-hmm. it's allowable. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So then, then you have to test it to make sure it's within that flow, so to speak, though. Well, you, you just you write it in the code. You, you, you nest the, the code command in to balance it. I got gotcha. you. And then to turn it into a dud if it's not within, within balance. So, yeah, I actually nest the instructions like, like I'm writing code. And I have terminators and, you know, just the whole. Oh, cool. It has, a, it has a similar structure. You 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 made me think of something uh, when you were describing that um, another type of prof- person I want to interview <laughs> out stuff is people that are into NLP dark psychology and they talk mm-hmm. and this gets into the hypnosis thing and you were talking about the code thing when they do the 
the hypnosis thing or the NLP with the dark psychology, they'll nest a, um, they'll nest a command or a statement within a story within a story. So mm-hmm. they have like three stories deep. They'll have the affirmation that they're trying to get across, but it's three stories deep. So the, they'll kind of like watching a uh, daytime soap opera. You'll have a story and then inside that story, they'll break off and start talking about another story. Then they'll break off and talk about the inside story. Which is kind of funny. Um, I don't know if that's the same way as far as the code and nesting commands. It's in. it's it's a little bit different, but but you know you're making me think of Inception. <laughs> yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> was Inception. You're incepting you're incepting the patient at that point when you're <laughs> nesting it, you know, five mm-hmm. layers into their subconscious. So so they think it's their own idea. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was going with that. I was thinking of Inception. Yes. But the 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 thing that you're talking about is more about uh, more code how, really. How to structure the instructions so that they're clean, so that okay. they go in clean, and and because because our system seems to be again very similar to to a coded world, to a coded system, then coded structure should speak well to it. That's the structure it understands. Okay, since we we already started talking a little bit about segment three already, <laughs> we'll go ahead and throw it out there and see what else comes up. Um, so one of my favorite parts of this whole thing is segment three, where it's about reality breaks. You know, what is your favorite reality break that has happened, whether it be a bad thing or just something weird, you know, unexplainable thing that happened that you can't deny. It's something weird that happened in front of you, but it's fascinating. Oh God, I've got a million of them, but, but <laughs> I think that the one I want to share is a positive one since I already did a negative yeah. one. My my second fully successful hack, I, I hacked my own memory because somebody else had, had brought me a technique involving memory and my memory was awful. And I couldn't I couldn't do I couldn't do this person's technique effectively because I, I couldn't I was just really having a lot of trouble with it. So I thought, you know what, I'll run a hack and see, see how that, how that works. Mm-hmm. See if I can, if I can correct this because I, I really wanted the technique. And so I, I did and oh my gosh, that it was so amazing. When a hack goes through properly, it starts manifesting literally within hours. You can you can start seeing indicators of it. It's it's incredible, but it fully kicked in. I think the next day I was watching Stranger Things. I was watching season one of Stranger Things on Netflix. You've seen that? Uh, No, I've heard of it, but no, I haven't seen it. Okay, it's 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 pretty good. It's pretty fun, and it takes place in the eighties, in the early Mm eighties. So I. I was watching, you know, I'm just watching the show. And then they're in the bedroom of one of the kids who's, who's in this group. And suddenly behind this kid, I see this bright yellow lamp. And it's got a yellow lampshade and it has a ceramic sort of stylized honeycomb, you know, like a, like an emoji, like a, you know, just a very stylized sort of late 70s honeycomb shaped base all bright yellow. It's the exact same lamp 
that we had in our kitchen the whole time the whole time I was growing up. We got it in the 70s at some point. And when my parents my parents lost their their house in the early 90s, and so the lamp was gotten rid of. For all I know, that might have been the exact same lamp. It was very it's a very unusual lamp. But as soon as I saw it, just in the background, suddenly I was in the kitchen that I grew up in, in, a, in the oh. house that I grew up in. And I was in, it was almost like a time slip. It was a holographic oh. memory experience. And I'm like, whoa. And I could control it. I could either pull out of it or I could push into it. And then I started pushing into it more. I turned off the show <laughs> and, and started, starting with the lamp, I started going out further into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew right where everything was. I could touch, I could smell it. I was opening cabinets. I was pulling out food. I was looking at the cookware. I was looking at, we had a weird pattern on the floor. I was looking at, it was, I could holographically completely have perfect recall of our kitchen and then i started walking into the rest of the house and i could do the same thing i went through the whole freaking house and i was just looking at every i was amazing it was amazing and it, it just kept unfolding from there and it was more than enough for me to accomplish what the the task i needed to accomplish involving memory and then on the seventh day, this amazing, my next clue came up. <laughs> and what happened is on day seven, after I did the hack, I walked out my front door and there was this huge cloud formation right in my field of vision. And it was very detailed. It was two ravens and an ermine soul. And this is part of Nordic mythology or Nordic spiritual practice, which is you know, mean something to me. But again, I usually don't layer the religion in on top of it, you know, unless I want to flavor something or look at a specific thing. But the detail in this cloud formation, there was not work. And it was, it was crazy. I have a picture of it. (laughs) And uh, I was like, what the hell is this? this?" I wasn't quite sure what it was. But then when I took the picture and I started I'm like, oh my God, this is two ravens and an ermine soul. This is, you know, this is a doorway to, you know, the, the world tree of Yggdrasil and, and the multiverse. And so I need to start looking at Odinic uh, uh, principles again, which since then is, is leading me on to my next set of tasks. Uh, and, and there's some tremendous information in there. So, yeah, it's, it's that was the, I guess... Maybe I'm not done working with that yet. That might be why I can't get the next hack running yet. I have to complete this level out before I am able to access the next one. But mm-hmm. the because uh, it really is like a game. It's ridiculous how similar it is. The the more I see it, the the more it's like, how did I not see this before? <laughs> but it's uh, but yeah, that hack was beautiful. And unfortunately, the the manifestation from the hack fades over time because our instancing keeps wanting to go back to its default setting. So I can't quite do this holographic memory access to the level I was doing it when it first came through. It fades over time, 
but I, I did what I needed to do. And so now I can get another packet and implement some implement another hack to step on to, to do whatever is put in front of me next. Man, I'm just playing through. <laughs> I'm just playing through. I don't want to do I don't want to do all this, you know, job, religion, politic, you know, fighting with people on Facebook stuff anymore. <laughs> I wanna, you know, I want I wanna play. This is the game I wanna play. I wanna all this magical unfolding is just it's crazy it's wild but yeah that's that was uh my last successful hack and it was i just it was so breathtaking it was so magical it was so much fun i'm, I'm just like wow because i can i can almost imagine i mean cloud the clouds and seeing detail that that's cool that's really I cool couldn't, yeah i couldn't believe it when it had not work. you know oh, i not working and i'm like wow and i had to keep sort of zooming in because there was all this detail in the oh. in the image so it, it was it was it was very it was very interesting but the the holographic memory access was really amazing and it reminded me very much of the descriptions i've read of time slips and again mm. if reality is holographic we should be able to move into memories historic spaces and time and and interface with them holographically Got a little bunny running up to me here. Oh, he's so cute. <laughs> I'm, I'm in front of a big picture window and the animals come up. Yeah, the animals come up and look at me and I look at them and then we all go about our business. But this bunny sitting here, it's probably attracted to the energy. Usually they kind of run off, but he's here. Hi, guy. Hi, cutie. His little nose. Oh, he's so cute. Um, uh, I'm like a dog. It's like squirrel, squirrel, rabbit. <laughs> My gosh. But yeah, well, the, it, it was it was very much akin. The ability was very much akin to a, a time slip that I could control. I could access it. I could pull out. I could push in. I could move to different rooms. It wasn't like being yanked away from me. It was it was really fantastic. It's it's really a fun. Uh, it was a really fun experience, especially for someone with a sucky memory. I suddenly went from zero to a hundred. You know. <laughs> It's like, well, this is certainly a, a change in circumstance and ability. So, well, this is where I like to throw out there. Is there anything that uh, you want to plug for yourself on the the podcast? <laughs> Thank you. I just just the website. The website is going to be the the portal for everything. TheRealityHacker.com. And uh, I have an Instagram feed. I've got a lot of great video links. And um, I'll probably be setting up a Patreon and my own podcast. So I'll awesome. really get into detail on technique and, and preparation and laying the groundwork and all the different awesome. steps. And, uh, and that's going to be, I'll be setting that up in the next couple of months. Awesome. So uh, whenever I can, you know, carve out the time. But the website, you know, if you go to the website and sign up for my email list, then you'll you'll be apprised of everything that... That, uh, that that comes up as I and I have a completely new website now. It, it's really it's a beautiful new site. So it's. Well, I look I look forward to see seeing your material and especially your podcast. I really would like to 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 see what you have. Uh, <laughs> it's exciting just because of the same material. I mean, we're talking about reality stuff, so can't help right. but be excited about it. Um, well, if I can just get someone past the, the clearing protocols, then, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that other people can do things the same way I do and that I, you know, 
I'm, I'm assuming that I'm not an X-Men style mutant or something. I'm, I'm pretty sure that everyone can do this, but if, if they don't sandbox it, it, oh man, it goes all monkey paw. It just goes wrong. Well, like I said, I, I'll throw it out there again. I'm a software tester by trades. So if you need a beta tester. Okay. <laughs> all right. For a living, I test things. So. <laughs> well, is, but see, that's perfect because you, you already have the, the mindset and the logic for it. It's really a, a, a nice match. And also I'm reading so many interesting articles about how coding and hacking is about as much as being artistic as it is about knowing how to code. That there's a feel to it. There's a flow to it. There's a way to make it elegant and clean and crisp. And that, that and I've, I've heard this from several, several different coders now. And that very much applies to reality hacking. It is a balance of, of mechanical technique and feel and art, artistic expression and, and balancing the two together to you know create something that'll go through really, really clean and, and, and fully express itself. So I also wonder, I was never really big on the whole 2012 thing, but I'm starting to wonder if 2012 was the end, going back to the chicken and the egg thing, if 2012 was the end of an of a unbreachable eggshell. If maybe things are allowed to become more and more porous and accessible from that point on so that reality can be gently shifted into something else. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Because it seems like, you know, in the past several years, Suddenly people are open, like, you know, when, when I first introduced the idea of reality hacking back in 07, it was like torch and pitchfork time. It was <laughs> ugly, man. I was I'm like, I am not me. dealing with these crazy people. You know, they're, they're just, I, I haven't even told them what I'm really doing. And they're, they're, they're going completely apeshit on me. They're just nuts. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go underground and work by myself. But now things have changed so you know, much. I can, in a while? I can go to any party, any event, and people go, what do you do? I go, well, you know, I write or I do podcasts or whatever. And what about, oh, I, reality hacking. What's that? And then exactly. I, have, I have a real quick explanation. And they're like, wow, it, that's, wow. I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, and they're, everyone's okay with it all of a sudden. And I talk about doing a podcast on exploring reality and people per perk up and go, that sounds cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm at a bar talking to some random stranger going, hey, I'm doing this podcast. What are you doing the podcast <laughs> on? Reality exploration. Oh, my God, that sounds awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like suddenly it's, it's, you know, which is nice because I've been able to come out of the reality hacking closet finally, you know, and just say, yeah, I'm a reality hacker. That's, that's, that's what I do. And, and, you know, now the next step is it needs to be my, my full-time career. And I just don't want to do anything but this because there's a lot to do. There really is. And it's also, I also feel like it's time, you know, now that it's safer, then, you know, a lot of reality hackers are underground. They're in hiding. A uh, few of them, you know, like you, you know, found me through my old crappy website and sort of, you know, through a, an email and I, I was able to connect with a few people over the years who, who've been, you know, incredibly valuable. Uh, but I think now is the time when, when it can be opened up more now to more people to participate and learn and, and, and whoever's been underground, it, it, I, I 
I think it's safe to come out now. I, I really do, even if it's just in a limited way, whatever mm-hmm. makes people feel comfortable. But, you know, all y'all outs in free, you know, it's safe to come up now and, and start, you know, really actively cross-fertilizing information techniques, insights, information sources, that, you know, little things that I might miss or another person might miss that, you know, might be that that last piece of the coconut radio, you know? 